0: Hi guys, this is Doug Fletcher. Welcome back to What's the Hazard? This is our podcast about workplace safety and health. Um, first and foremost, I'd like to thank Safety Reports, our sponsor. Um, Steve Polich and the, and the folks over at Safety Reports have been kind enough to help me with the podcast. Interestingly, uh, Steve just sent out an email, a link to um, a pre-screening uh, COVID-19 tool that they have put together very quickly in response to the, you know, the, the pandemic issues. Uh, The screening tool is useful. If you are bringing employees onto a work site and you want to do some type of pre-screening, it gives you a series of questions and options that you can uh, check through as you're bringing your employees in. And, And I think the most powerful part of it is the tracking application. All of that information can be tracked and verified. You know, once again, safety reports, very timely. Uh, they've provided us another tool on their app that I think is incredibly useful. Um, Steve's words: quality, safety solutions, and excellent support at an affordable price. Uh, safety reports, and I like that. But my words: uh, it's useful, and you need to get it. So um, you know, whichever compels you. But uh, if you do go through my website flexuresafety.com, click on the safety reports link and give it a free trial, take a look at it. And if you decide to purchase something, uh, some of those proceeds are donated by Safety Reports to the podcast. So um, if you're interested, take a look at it. I, I think you'll I think you'll appreciate what they do for you. Uh, second thing, just a couple of observations quickly before we get started with our guests. And I'm really excited about this episode. It is a compelling story and uh, I'm looking forward to the discussion. But I think if if, if we are connected on LinkedIn, and, and for some of you that don't know, or maybe I was the only one that didn't know what LinkedIn was until a few weeks ago, probably, but um, I'm really embracing a morning ritual now that we are all, you know, living in this COVID world. And uh, part of my morning ritual is coffee. Part of it is just sitting on the couch with my dog, Chuck. And part of it is reading from the Daily Stoic, just a book of um, daily meditations one of the meditations I'd like to share with you, and it's, it, I think it pertains uh, very um, specifically to what we're doing here. It's from Epictetus, who was a Greek philosopher, uh, and I didn't know that beforehand, obviously. It is impossible to begin to learn that which one thinks one already knows. Um, I think it's basically about being humble in what we know. I can I can say with absolute certainty that after 30-plus years of being a safety professional— I am painfully aware of what I don't know, and I am certainly humbled by working with people like we're going to speak with today, who have expertise in certain areas. Um, I learn something every time we have one of these discussions, and so um, I hope you do too. Lastly, my final observation is one that I have anguished over even bringing up. Okay, um, I've I've actually gone through the my my comments in my head three or four times this morning. And I almost decided not to say anything, but, you know, I can't help myself. And so I have tried to be fairly apolitical. I try not to be political on the podcast. You know, my opinions of politics have, actually have no bearing or no interest to in anybody, I'm sure. But I did get a link to a video clip from someone I'm connected with on LinkedIn. They, they sent, she sent out a video clip, and it happened to be an interview with uh, Dr. David Michaels, the former assistant secretary for OSHA. He was being interviewed by uh, one of the hosts on CNN, and he spent about two or three minutes just bad mouthing OSHA, bad mouthing you know the agency, bad mouthing the Secretary of Labor, uh, Mr. Scalia, bad mouthing the administration. Um, and I got—I have to tell you that that really uh, put a bad taste in my mouth. Okay, this guy ran OSHA for eight years, uh, and whether you liked his politics or not, liked his programs or not, I mean, I I, I would have thought that he would have a little bit more appreciation for the challenges that OSHA is faced with, particularly when dealing, he was being specific about the COVID-19 issues, the fact that OSHA hasn't done enough and etc. etc. And I, you know, I, I have to, I just really put me off. And so I'm not going to get into great detail about that, but I, I do want to say that uh, if anybody's going to be bad mouth in OSHA, it's going to be me and it shouldn't be him. Okay. And frankly, Uh, I love the folks over at OSHA. I have lots of friends in OSHA. They're incredibly talented people, hardworking people. And I can tell you from my experience that they're doing the best they can to support employees all over the country. So, um, I'm going to leave it at that, but I don't know. Anyway, forgive me. So let's get on with my guests. Okay. And, uh, as I said, I am really excited to have these gentlemen with us today, Cheyenne Wolford and Josh Luce. Um, they work with a company called um, CCS Group. It is Concrete uh, Custom Concrete Specialists. Um, they're going to tell you more about the business. But I met these guys probably a few months ago. We actually had an opportunity to sit down and talk uh, about an incident they had on one of their work sites and and how that proceeded and and the. The lessons that they've learned from that incident, uh, fascinating and uh, really, are really well articulated. I, I really thought that the discussion would be of interest to everybody listening. Um, I will say before I turn it over to them, one thing, as a, as a safety person for a long time and as a, as a consultant now, it is a pleasure to work with companies that are committed to doing the right thing, who understand the importance of safety, who are committed to a safe work environment. These guys are that company. I've been incredibly impressed by what they do. Um, again, I, I work with a lot of companies that don't get it, and uh, that's always very disappointing. When you do work with a company that gets it, you know, it is, it, it's is—it's completely uh, refreshing and, and brings you some hope. And so uh, that's what CCS Group is like. I, I've been incredibly impressed by them. Um, <clears throat> Cheyenne is the CEO and president of CCS Group. Josh is the safety manager for CCS. Uh, guys, thank you for being here. I sincerely appreciate it. I know you're incredibly busy. You guys have work all over the country, if not the the world. And um, I, I know that uh, time is precious. So thanks for being here. I think the message is incredible. And if you wouldn't mind, please just, you know, further introduce yourselves and the company and then let's, let's talk.
1: Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Doug. And thanks for having us. Um, you know, obviously, as Doug Offered the um, invitation to come and speak. We were graciously accepting for the fact to to tell our story and and to kind of walk down the line of what happened and and, uh, what shouldn't happen. And so we'll get into that further here. But so CCS group, as he explained, we're nationwide. Uh, Our focus is repairing grain elevators, concrete repairs, Uh, primary use of repairs is shotcrete and gunite or carbon fiber repairs as well but currently average five to six to eight crews uh all throughout the united states working simultaneously at different facilities we work mainly like i said earlier in the grain industry we get into the cement industry so we we cross the lines between osha and msha and uh the difficulties that come with that but um josh is as i'll let josh explain as our safety director we're extremely proud to have him on our team as well and what he brings to the table but uh Josh, if you wouldn't mind, just go ahead and introduce
2: uh, yourself. Thanks for having us, Doug. Um, just a quick background. I retired from the military right at about the time that CCS was needing a new safety director. So I had to fill those big shoes of the former safety director and bring over the experiences I had in the military. And luckily, friends of mine and kind of got us together and brought everything that I had at the military and really, really learning every day, the safety world and being part of Doug's Midwest safety cooperative has really helped that out. I want to put a plug in there for that. Cause I don't think I'd be here today without some of the members of that group. So I want to thanks. Awesome, thanks
0: Oh yeah, man. It's been a pleasure having you in the group. Um, Cheyenne, you are a concrete guy. Your expertise is in the concrete industry, if I'm not mistaken. And man, I have to be. I, I went to your website. Your website is fantastic. Um, I thought it was very informative. Man, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I was. I, I sat there this morning, looking at the website, learning about Shotcrete uh, and uh, Gunite and all those things that you guys are doing. And as a former OSHA guy here in Nebraska, I spent a lot of time in those concrete elevators, and they scared the crap out of me, man. So. Uh, thanks for thanks for reinforcing them for all of those of us that have to go into them it's I, I, I appreciate it
1: absolutely it's a it's a challenge obviously it's a passion of mine and uh, what a great industry we work in great people uh, all safety minded which is what we're gonna get in today and and you know obviously working in this industry we're all in it together to go home every night and uh, I know there's some industries out there that aren't as safety driven as as the grain industry or the cement industry so, really that's kind of blends into the story that we're going to tell today of, you know, when you think you're doing everything right and the papers all line up and the stars all align, that's still your work, your world can come crashing down. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Yeah, man, um, exactly. Well, and that, that brings us to the story. And again, you shared this with me a few months ago. I was, it was really a compelling story. And so, I mean, if you don't mind, just give everybody a little bit of background and we can just talk through it.
1: Absolutely. Uh, so kind of going back, Back, I'll, I'll not spend too much time, but uh, tell you a little bit of timeline. We started CCS Group in 2009. I left a competitor um, to start this business knowing that I can do it differently, uh, safer, more efficiently. So in 2009, we started CCS and we really hit the ground running, uh, built a fantastic crew. Uh, thought we were doing everything right. Had a, you know a safety director in line, had all of our processes, procedures, documents, everything in place. Um, and then so I'll kind of fast forward to September of last year. And, and that's kind of the incident we're going to talk about, but it's that phone call that you get that you, you know, you, you wish you never get, or and we've all gotten phone calls of, of Joe or bill or somebody cutting their finger or what have you, but it's the phone call that comes in that says we got a major issue guys. Um, we've had an accident and, uh, that phone call came in on a Friday and in, in early September for us. And I, to this day, remember where I was sitting, you know, what I was wearing, uh, the the minutes after it, the after, the hour after that, the days after that. But uh, to get right down to the meat of it, we had a fatality at a facility um, that involved an electrical incident, electrocution. And uh, the phone call that I got was, you know, we had one gentleman that we knew at that point probably wasn't going to make it and one that was questionable uh, if he was going to make it. One was life flighted uh, to the hospital. One was taken via ambulance and uh, just the chaos that that kind of created in the beginning of starting to collect the data and and putting your thoughts around, you know, again, kind of that, that phone call or that knock on the door that we all that we all know is out there, um, especially in the construction industry. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, just kind of, going through that moment, trying to put it all together in your head, you know, asking yourself, is this real? What is going on? Uh, getting multiple phone calls from the field. Everybody sees it in a different way. Sure. My superintendent was the first to call and tell me that, you know, his words were, we had a, we had, we had a bad situation and, uh, and the details coming down forth after that were really kind of, uh, it was a mess. Uh, Mm. You know, how he seen the accident happen versus how the client's seen the accident happen, uh, how the observers. We had a concrete truck on site when the accident happened. Putting all that together and uh, kind of wrapping your brain around it. And, and then, again, making sure that the first piece of that was care for the one that was still alive, sure, uh, sure. fortunately, and, and making sure. So I just I kind of want to reiterate that at that point of you getting that phone call, you're getting multiple incidents, multiple ideas, multiple views, I guess. And, uh, what was frustrating for us was the facility that we were working at was, was several hours from our office. And again, on a Friday afternoon, not kind of what you're expecting to deal with. Mm -hmm. So just trying to, to gather your thoughts, obviously gather some, some papers, some documents, some tools. Um, I rushed home, got a, got a change of clothes and, uh, didn't really even know what to tell my, my wife or my family, just saying, Hey, we had an accident. Uh, I need to get down to the facility as soon as possible and, mm. and try to put my brains around this. And, uh, so that's, that's kind of how that early September day started for us. Oh, and that's horrible, like man. I said, unfortunately it was on a, on a Friday so that, you know, you're, you're dealing with, uh, the weekend and trying to get every, you know, a lot of the people that were involved in the, the accident had gone home and, uh, were you know, you're, you're able to reach. And so it was that helpless feeling of, man, you, you really thought you had everything in place. And, and, uh, and this is, and this is where we stand today. So, you know, as we talked to Doug and, and kind of shared the process and what happened, I guess what, what my promise to the world is now moving forward is that procedures and papers and documents folks don't, don't save lives. It's, it really boils down to a practice. And, uh, and I hate to say it, not trusting another human being, you know, you're in control of your livelihood and your life and, uh, to take that extra time and go to that extra step to verify, verify, verify. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll walk through some details. Um, and, and again, trying to be conscious of, of, uh, you know, people's rights and stuff here, but, uh, and the legalities of it. But ultimately what happened that day guys is that, uh, we had guys entering a, a silo to to place a 40 degree sloped hopper inside of a bin, and the reason that there was a big push to put hoppers inside of these silos um, is that a lot of these silos are flat bottom bins. Mm-hmm. So when you fill that with a commodity, and then you go to empty that bin, essentially you end up with a residual amount left over in that bin that somebody's got to go in and clean out. Got to sweep all that. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, you know, you, everything that we hear nowadays is zero human entry into that confined space. And so we've got a lot of companies making that proactive stance and putting these these sloped hoppers uh, in these bends so that they clean out almost 100%. You can switch between wheat to soybeans to, to uh, corn and not have to send anybody in that confined space. So, again, kind of putting my hands around it, I think we're doing, we're doing a good thing for the world mm-hmm. and a good thing for the facility and, and not having... Zero human entry after we leave this. And and to put some numbers to this, guys, uh, this was about our 400th hopper that we had placed. And so we're going to talk a little bit about complacency and, and things of that nature, too. You kind of get in a groove. You've done this hundreds of times. Um, we've all done that job. You know, you can always think about all those different things you've done hundreds of times, like driving to your office or what mm-hmm. have you. Uh, you just kind of get in the groove and you do it. So that particular day uh, we had guys in the bin working. We had a, a lockout box that had several different pieces of equipment locked out. One was locking out the, uh, the conveyor up on top of the silos that would convey grain into that bin. The other lockout uh, was at the bottom of the bin where the grain is discharged out the bottom of the silo. And then a third lock was uh, locking out a 480 volt power line that ran attached to the side of the silos. And so again, in a perfect world, you know, you're safe. You've got the, every all your bases covered. You. They can't dump grain on you. They can't empty out the bin and uh, cause damage down below in the lower conveyor. And, and the uh, power line is locked out. And uh, unfortunately, as we had a gentleman trying to exit the bin, um, everybody inside of that silo is attached to a fall protection cable. Mm-hmm even though we're still working on a, on a, a surface, we're not above the ground four foot or six foot or what have you. Uh, we still wear fall protection in there for positioning and, and getting around the silo in a safe fashion. It is a 40 degree slope. So it is a little complicated to to traverse that area. Um, so, so if you can imagine, we've got a gentleman hooked up to a five sixteenth inch steel cable that's attached to a lanyard that's attached to a harness and as he was making the attempt to come out through a construction hole, um, his steel cable made contact with the 480 line. Originally, we thought it was the actual line itself, and uh, as a result, it electrified uh, not only his cable, but everybody else's cable that was in contact in that silo, which was essentially the uh, the four other, or the three other gentlemen that were in the bend. there was a total of four guys in oh. the band. And so as you can imagine, you've you've got a complete disaster here. You've got one gentleman that's getting electrified by 480 volt through his his cable and his harness. You've got other people that are being electrified through their cables and harnesses. But the wet concrete that was just placed was also conductive and mm. uh, was carrying a current through it too. So wow. the, during the investigation, we had multiple. Um, Quotes saying that, you know, they felt the shock coming through their feet through the wet concrete Uh, They felt the shock coming through their shoulders Which would actually be coming through their harnesses and and the steel cable and such Uh, Luckily enough, the superintendent that was in the bin Had a mind about him that when he saw the cable that was connected directly to the power source It was glowing red And uh, obviously from heat and being electrified So he swiped at that cable and when he did that, um, he, he essentially made contact with another piece of steel inside of that bin, and it cut the cable in half, which then, you know, basically de-energized the whole situation. Um, and so again, probably a, a, that was probably one of the main instances that saved the rest of the lives in that bin uh, that day. So to carry on on the story here, um, we had two gentlemen that were in the bin that were down and unconscious. Um, uh, going back and giving kudos to the crew of paying attention to first aid and CPR. They, uh, got to the guy that originally had made contact with the bin or the, excuse me, the power line and, uh, started performing CPR on him and was able to bring him back, uh, got him up in a breathing situation and, and sitting upright and, and kind of getting him headed towards the right direction to getting out of the bin. The other gentleman, uh, unfortunately at that point was still, Uh, that was still face down on the concrete. They got him rolled over and got him resuscitated as well. And so got everybody kind of headed back towards getting out of the band and evaluating the situation. And uh, the first, the first gentleman that went down kind of had a a relapse or what have you, whatever you want to call it, and was struggling to get his feet. And so they focused their attention on getting him up and out through the hole Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, during that time of doing so, when they returned to get the second gentleman out, uh, that's the time that he had passed and not been. And so that's the hard part here, guys, is that you know we, we do everything right. And, and like I said, the, the CPR measures and being able to resuscitate, and I know there's a lot of science that goes into that and, and why people thought that he came back to life and then passed again or what have you. Um, but the moral of the story is we ended up with a fatality. Mm -hmm. and so then your mind races on how did this happen we we've got a we've got a box we've got a lockout box that's got everybody's lock on it i can hear the keys in the box um as i went down and did the investigation uh i got the piece of paper that says everything's locked out and tagged out so where was the disconnect here
0: right and
1: so so basically we spent the next two to three days um just really combing through the details, obviously suffering our loss and, and, uh, trying to, trying to take care of all that from the family to the logistics. And, and of course you've got the OSHA, uh, phone call that you need to make and the insurance phone calls and and kind of getting everybody on the same page. But, uh, ultimately at the end of the day, as I was saying, guys, a piece of paper doesn't protect you. Uh, somebody's word doesn't protect you. You've you've really got to dive in and and see that for your own set of eyes that whatever that piece of equipment is that's locked out is essentially locked out. Um, just because it says it on a document doesn't necessarily means it happens. That's right. It's so, interesting.
0: So let me first let me. I mean that's that's a lot of information right up front. First and foremost, man, I, I am. I have never taken that phone call. I've never received that phone call. You know, with OSHA, we were involved in a number of fatality and accident investigations, you know, always as an outsider looking in. And man, um, I'm sorry that you had to go through that first and foremost. I cannot imagine what that phone call is like. It sounds horrible. I hope no one else ever has to experience it. Unfortunately, that's probably not the case, but it sounds horrible, Um, I can't imagine what's going through your head at that moment as the owner of this company, man. So um, I'm sorry that you had to experience that. Um, Your point about um, this verification and the paperwork and stuff, I've always, this is something that I've been promoting, certainly not with the, you know, with the level of authority that you're using right now that we're experiencing as you describe this event. But every, I mean, we, you know, everybody is involved in their own safety and they need to take some ownership of that and You know, we have safety professionals that facilitate this process, and, you know, it's fairly easy to put nice documentation together. If you have a Google account, you can download all the beautiful safety programs you want. But the reality is it's the application of those programs, you know, the implementation piece, and every person has to be involved in their own safety, and I think this just really drives home that message. I think the point you're going to make is that – taking things for granted, making assumptions about these things being accurate, you know, and and not actually going through this verification step uh, is potentially a a serious mistake.
1: Absolutely. You know, and that's kind of getting to that point exactly. You know, how many times have we entered a confined space where a manager shows up and says, hey, here's your document. Everything's clear. You guys are all good to go. And we took that piece of paper as a as a handshake or as a promise or a guarantee. Um, and that's essentially what happened that morning is we took that as a, I've done my I've done my job to the to the best of my ability. You guys are 100% safe um, and you know okay. that, that people fail and, uh, and we understand that. But what we've tried to get to at CCS is again, kind of taking that to the next level as we've talked about and Josh has been great in implementing the last piece of that acronym, we all, we all hear the lockout tag out. We see that on permits. We see L O T O permits L O T O. But we've taken it to another level and it. I and mean, we've added T O to the end of that acronym, which, so now we've got L O T O T O, which is lockout tag out and try out. And mm-hmm. what we've done with our employees is we said, Hey guys, look, we have a, we have a prime example here of, you taking somebody's word and and going with it and not actually physically going and seeing that lock or seeing that piece of equipment, not fire up or pushing that button on, you know, a light switch to show that there is no electricity to that line or whatever it is. But we so, so easily take out the tryout mm-hmm. process of that permit. Right. And I think for me, that's the biggest Uh, piece, you know, granted you can, that lockout, that lock on that lock is, is, is very, very important. And I get that. But to me, the trying out process is the most piece, the biggest piece for us, I guess, uh, the most important piece, because no matter what happens behind that little red lock or that box or what have you, until I physically know that that can't, whatever it is, harm me, then, then the process isn't complete. Right and and we've learned that uh, obviously the hard way and so again my promise to the family as I attended the funeral uh, and mm-hmm. and was on multiple multiple phone calls with them was I will be the big, the biggest advocate for teaching not only CCS but uh, you know the rest of the construction world so I appreciate that Doug of mm-hmm. uh, letting us share our message and going into that tryout process because had my guys just gone and pushed the button on one piece of equipment that day, they would have realized that that line was energized. Hmm. And unfortunately the button was right below where the ladder was placed. Um, and so many times we're told by customers, Hey, you can't go into that room or where right. the, where the piece of equipment is locked out is, is a, our major MC room or MCC room and you're not qualified to go in there. And to that I say, no, we are qualified. If 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 I'm gonna put my life at risk and my family and my business or whatever it is at jeopardy here, I need to physically see that happen. Um and so we've 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 done numerous things with clients. We've uh, allowed them to take videos or we've encouraged them to take videos of it as they do it. If if it's in a situation that I cannot physically get my guys into because of training issues or not having the uh corrective PPE when it comes to electrical mm-hmm. protection and stuff then go in and take that video and don't allow there to be any time lapse in that video where I show you going in and doing it and coming back out. And then you can essentially show that to me ASAP. Right. Um, that would be, you know, obviously one, one situation, the best situation is that you can take everybody in there individually or as a group and show them, Hey, step-by-step, this is what we're doing and allowing them to see that. And so as we started that process with CCS, we got a lot of great feedback. Um, we got a lot of, not negative feedback, but a lot of concerns like, boy, this is going to add so much time to my day. If I've got to go physically look at every lock every day. And, uh, unfortunately these grain elevators and such aren't easy to get around Mm -hmm. in mobility wise, it takes a long time to get to the roof or it takes a long time to get to the basement or what have you. But my explanation to the guys were, you get paid by the hour. Mm-hmm. So if it takes you another hour in the morning to go and physically verify those locks and then nobody took that lock out overnight or cut it off or whatever, or to go to that piece of equipment and push the button to make sure it doesn't turn off or turn on, excuse me, um, you get paid to do that. So why wouldn't you take that extra step, that extra time um, and, and, and take that, you know, get right. that guarantee, I guess, for yourself?
0: That's interesting. Well, you, you mentioned two standards in particular. Uh, confined space, the 146 standard, and lockout-tagout, the 147 standard. And both of those regulations very clearly and specifically talk about the verification steps and the employees having uh, the right, the opportunity to verify those steps have been taken, whether that be the air monitoring prior to a confined space entry or the lockout-tagout. And I know that is a really a challenge, and, I, and I've heard this on multiple occasions from many employers, the, the group lockout in particular, where, you know, a, a lead person or someone might do the actual lockout um, and, and apply the locks, and then we might lock out a, a group lockbox, as you've described. But the standard does say that every employee involved in that lockout has the opportunity, will be afforded the opportunity to verify that that lockout, they can walk that down with the lead man or the supervisor, or whatever. And I agree with you. I couldn't count on both hands. You know, over my time with OSHA, the number of fatalities that we investigated that were the result of somebody just assuming that it had been done correctly or assuming that the lock was still in place. As you said, I mean, there are multiple examples of someone removing a lock to to do something just quickly and then not replacing the lock. Somebody coming back to the project, assuming that it was still locked out, the condition was still controlled, and and having a horrible incident as a result. So I, I think that message cannot be trumpeted enough, man. Everybody needs to involve themselves in that verification process to the degree that they are, you know, that they are comfortable with it. I think that's just a, a really important message.
1: Absolutely. And as, as I kind of go back to, to that same piece, we're, for the most part, we're all hourly employees out in the field. Mm-hmm. So if, if I've got a boss that says, go, go verify it, guess what? I'm going to verify Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how many times, Doug, you know, I, I, we bought an older house several years ago and, and I went downstairs to shut off the power to a particular bedroom because I was going to swap out outlets. Mm-hmm. And my wife wanted new outlets and new covers on it. And <laughs> of course uh, so know. I went down there and I shut the, you know, master bedroom breaker off. Right. And I go upstairs to assume that every break, every outlet in that room is is shut off and deactivated so I can go to town with my screwdriver only to be pleasantly <laughs> right, unpleasantly right. surprised that uh, exactly. somehow some way somebody didn't label everything correctly or oh uh, man so, you know it's just again prime example
0: yep i want everybody to raise their hands that has not experienced that and i expect to see no hands because i've done the same thing in fact i can remember we had a house that was multiple levels and so i would position one of my boys at each level and we would just holler back and forth as I was tripping breakers, then they would be up, was that it? And we'd shout up, was that, was that it? Was that it? Was that it? And then, no, 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 you know, back and forth. I mean, what a horrible process. And, you know, I mean, ultimately, it's worth the time and effort put into it. But I've, I've experienced the same thing, man. And um, Gosh. So, so um, I love the idea of adding the tryout to the acronym just to reinforce that concept. Um, how has that been received, Josh? Are the guys... Are they buying into it? Or are they starting to get it?
2: Absolutely, they're buying into it. Actually, a lot of the crews have created a new idea too with one of the sites we were at. They actually have a, a tryout on the form and they initial it every day as a crew member. Nice. So they go around as a crew every morning and check all that off and they sign off on this new document saying that, yep, we tried it out. It's locked out. The key's in the box. Right. And that's even before they start the day when they. Then they go back to the trailer and do their pre-JHA.
0: So mm-hmm. fantastic,
2: 100% bought into it.
0: And oh, that's excellent.
2: The safety program is only as good as the guys that run it, and our crews are amazing. So good for they you, do man. A great,
0: great job. Well, I mean, they're only, they're only going to be as good as as you resource them and prepare them to be. So that you know, that's a testament to you guys as well. And the fact, you know, I love the comment that you made, Cheyenne. That you know, for goodness' sake,s we're hourly employees. Oftentimes, uh, we are asking you to work safely. We are a, we want you to work safely. We are affording you the opportunity to work safely. Take advantage of that and work safely. And if that means you know walking back down that lockout or resampling that air in that confined space or whatever it is, do it for goodness sakes. I mean, they're really, I mean, other than those horrible employers that we still hear about from time to time, I cannot imagine. I can't. I can't even get my head around the concept of an employer. Standing over an employee and barking at them for trying to work safely, you know i just I just can't imagine right. that still exists other than in the most remote locations in western Nebraska, perhaps, and no disrespect to western Nebraska. but you know, if you live in the civilization, you know that that just doesn't fly anymore, you know absolutely well, so I know OSHA was involved in this uh, investigation, and you know I don't know what we and we don't need to get into great detail on that, but did they show up relatively soon? And, and what was the investigation? Was it a good investigation in your opinion? Or how did it go?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, <laughs> I'll go back. I I consider myself still inexperienced as a as a business owner for only 10 years. I reached out to our insurance company immediately and said, All right, guys, how does this how does this play out? You guys obviously have dealt with a fatality in the past. Um, what what happens here? And and I love my insurance company greatly. Uh, they come back with all the horror stories about, oh, this is just going to be the most brutal thing you've undergone and mm-hmm. and it's going to be just, you know, be ready to be completely belittled and, and what have you. So I was fully prepared for the situation and, and kind of going back to what I said, Doug, I spent the whole entire weekend on site taking pictures, 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 mm-hmm. pictures measurements, documents. Um, I just I just felt a need to stay there. And, uh, and get the story as it happened. Uh, we immediately got a boom lift in on site on, on Saturday, went up, and uh, of course, obviously made sure everything was locked out then. That, that whole, that Saturday morning lockout tagout was probably the most humble um, lockout tagout I've ever completed mm, in my life. To make sure that nobody else was at risk and uh, got a boom lift in sight and got in there and kind of looked at the silo inside and what had all happened and where all the pieces laid. And, uh, Monday morning OSHA showed up and, uh, came in and, and kind of separated the, we were all huddled together. My insurance company actually came out and, uh, sent my, my producer and their risk manager came out to kind of befriend us and be there supportive mm-hmm. nature. Uh, the client there, they were, you know, honestly, this all happened and everybody can point the fingers, but at the end of the day, you're still in it together. Right. Um, where, the, you know they're still our customer. They still will be a great customer for us. Uh, we're all huddled together. So OSHA made entry. Uh, I won't name any names, but the guy was fantastic. He sent, they sent out probably one of the best investigators. Uh, not that I've been involved in a lot of this, but the people I've met throughout the course of this, I felt like, you know, the stars were aligned and we've got one of the best investigators sent mm. out to us, um, and allowed us to kind of walk through and tell the story, spent the time, um, uh, this first thing was he separated everybody. He, you know, the CCS got uh, sent to a room, and and my client was asked to step out of the room. I had my safety director there. He allowed the insurance company to stay in the room during the uh, opening statements, and he just allowed us to to uh, talk about what happened. And and you know, I don't want to use the word console because that's not their their job, but he was very passionate and understanding compassionate Mm. i guess Mm. of the situation and handled it delicately um we then went outside and and walked the site down and you know again you hear all those horror stories of people telling you if he takes a picture you take a picture if he documents something you document something if he draws a line in the sand you draw a line in the sand Mm -hmm. and in a grin i firmly agree to that it's all about documentation but every picture that he had taken that day we had already taken 10 of them prior mm-hmm. to that yeah. Um, yeah so doing your doing your homework up front obviously and 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 being there to answer any questions um you know i also got the feedback from some other construction owners that say you know don't answer any questions that you know don't i guess don't give any other answers yeah, don't
0: volunteer anything. questions
1: that aren't specifically answered and mm-hmm. you know not that I was sitting there that day rambling on about the situation, but if he asked a question, it was yes or no. I still give him supporting information afterwards of why it is yes or why it is. No, don't leave this guy in the dark. I mean, right. at the end of the day, their job is to, to understand what happened. Uh, yeah, they're going to cast a little bit of a, a blame at the end of the day. They're, they want to know why it happened. Um, And, and get you know, gather a sense of what can we do differently to prevent this from happening again is how I kind of took it. Right. Absolutely. So, so we kind of ran with that. I Um, do, I
0: do think they, um, in my experience, I think at least a seasoned compliance officer will understand when a company is being honest and forthcoming and you'll have a sense for when they're trying to be evasive and maybe not even, uh, honest. I think, so I I agree with your, particularly in in these circumstances, you know, tell the story as best you understand it based on your investigation and and what you've compiled and kind of help them. Oftentimes, you know, uh, it does help them to understand what was going on and what occurred if if it comes from the employer, you know, I mean, because they're certainly not, they certainly have very little expertise in your world, obviously. And so that, that truly does help them.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, the, the education standpoint that hopefully we offered to the, to the inspector was key to getting to the end, which is, you know, at the end of the day, there's citations, there are violations, there's a request made that you do X, Y, and Z to, to rectify the situation. So our, you know, my takeaway from that was educate, 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 um, not, not cover this up because you know, at the end, I can't bring the gentleman back to life by lying to OSHA. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't stop it from happening or what had happened. But my promise again to the family was I will make sure to the best of my ability that this doesn't happen again. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter what industry or what company. So being honest with OSHA was the number one key in that. And I'll tell you, there is, there's reward in that. And and I don't know how much Doug you want to get into that piece of it, but at the end of the day, uh, CCS did not have any citations or violations. Uh, there was one that that was questionable, and we walked through um, the whole process. You know, we were able to go down and, and kind of plead our case on mm-hmm. on what we felt was right on a particular citation, and that citation was one hundred percent removed.
0: Oh, good for you! So, yeah.
1: again, and not not in a celebratory manner, do we say? We walked away from this without any citations or violations, but it does make me feel like regardless of, of the devastation that this caused within a family, first and foremost, um, within a company, secondly, you know, I felt like we were doing everything in our power right Mm -hmm. and correct. And, and that gets right back. That points the finger right back to that big V word. And that's the verification aspect. So, right.
0: I think that's impressive, man. And I I I think that is um I I, cert- I sincerely appreciate what you're saying by not taking any, you know, any um heightened satisfaction and not getting cited. You know. Right. But the bottom line is, and, and and I think sometimes, you know, I, I tell clients of mine, you know, we, we may or may not be doing things exactly as the regulations would have us do them you know, if we know in our own hearts and minds that we are doing the best we can to protect our employees, I think ultimately, if if you can look at yourself in the mirror at the end of the day and know that you're doing that, then we're doing the right thing. And so it may not always be perfect. And as you said, there are lessons to be learned from some of these things. And, And the lesson that you're describing, this verification piece, I think is one of the most important lessons that we can teach. But at the end of the day, man, do the best you can for your employees. I mean, you know that old saying that uh, our, my employees are my most valued asset, or whatever. Uh, you know, I heard Paul O'Neill one time say, "Everybody says that, but some companies actually mean it." And uh, you know, there is a there is a distinct difference between the companies that mean it and the companies that say it. And uh, as a safety professional, you know, I see that uh, all the time, man. So I, I appreciate exactly what you're saying. And. And um, it is nice that there were no citations. You know, that is a good thing. And the fact that the OSHA, I'm glad to hear that OSHA was very uh, compassionate and cooperative. They should be. You know, ultimately, they want to know if there is something that they can do to help ensure that this doesn't happen again. You know, and sometimes that takes the form of citations. And sometimes that takes the form of, of uh, supporting a company that's doing the right thing. And sometimes that is informational, whatever that might be you know but i'm i'm glad to hear that it worked out um to the advantage of all of us you know that all of us will hopefully benefit from that um that information
1: absolutely yeah and that's you know that's the the thing that i struggled with and and ironically the the quote that i'm going to share with you shortly came from one of the uh, direct managers at the facility that we're working with he's he's uh higher up in in the in the uh, management world but mm-hmm. you know we all shook our head and said, I just can't believe this happened. I mean, the, the company that we're working for is world renowned for their safety program. Mm-hmm, sure. Uh, CCS in our, in our small niche business, I will, I will brag and say we were, we were known for our safety program. I mean, absolutely five years running now we've been, you know, awarded one of Nebraska's safest company awards. Uh, we've got all the accolades, we've got all the right people. And, uh, you know, I just, was sharing some, some tears with the guy and, and uh, we were talking about it at the tailgate of his truck. And he said, you know, Cheyenne, it's not about, yes, we did lose a, we did lose an employee, but what you have to be focused on right now is your safety program and your protocol and even their safety program and their protocol. We don't know how many countless lives we saved up until this point. Right. So I'll I'll share that to those out there that are listening to this, that may struggle with this someday. And I, I, I pray and I hope that that never happens to any of you. But if you are doing the right thing and you feel like in your heart that you've invested every last penny that you can, every ounce of time that you can into protecting your employees and something devastating does happen to you like this, you've got to take the stance on, yeah, you want to make sure that you investigate this fully, but to focus on the position of, how many people did you save up until this point? Mm-hmm. Um, and, That's true. and it's easy. I mean, it's easy to get in the ditch and get depressed. And, you know, there was thoughts that crossed my mind that said, am I even supposed to be doing this, man? Mm-hmm. I maybe this is where we sell this ship and we go back to doing something different. And uh, when I, when I spoke to that, to the gentleman at the tailgate, he said, no, shine, you got to promise me that you stick this out because you are one of the better contractors and And we'll still handpick you because of that. So don't give up uh, and don't force us to go work with a a lesser company when it comes to Mm -hmm. safety or something. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, You know, make sure that you continue going on.
0: Well, and certainly, you know, the message is going to die right there if you guys go out of business or stop operating. And, you know, I think the fact that the message is important and needs to be, promoted, needs to be out there, I is a credit to what you guys are doing. I mean, if nothing else, and I know that you guys, as I said in the very beginning, <clears throat> I've only known you guys for a short time. I've been incredibly impressed by the commitment that I can tell you have towards safety and to the well-being of your employees. But the message is important. And, um, you know, I have, a, I have another colleague, a friend of mine, Mike Langford. Uh, he was the safety manager at, a, at an electrical contractor here in Omaha, and they had a fatality on on one of their projects as well. Very similar. It was an electrocution. It was a few years ago. Um, I was uh, kind of uh, an observer, a fairly close observer of the OSHA investigation. One of my former colleagues did the investigation and and, uh, Mike and I corresponded during that. And he is doing the same thing. He's no longer with that company. He has moved a few times in different positions, but the message is the same. He is out there Projecting the message, you know, conveying the message, talking about, and and even in retrospect, he talked a lot about how to be more prepared and how to, you know, how to handle issues, perhaps if we were ever to have something like that again. I I don't think anybody is prepared for that, and as you said, it's overwhelming, and there's so many things going on at once that you have to account for. Um, you know, there is a lesson in that as well, and hopefully we don't experience that lesson again, but. Others may, and anything that we can do to help them control that is probably valuable.
1: Absolutely. You know, we all sit back and, and we had probably one of the best uh, investigation checklists, if you will, that we sat down and worked with through our insurance company mm-hmm. and as a group and said, okay, in the event that, again, from a broken finger to a fatality, here's the investigation checklist. This is how this is going to go down. Doug, that was the first piece of a paper that I forgot mm-hmm. at the of office, <laughs> right. um, you know,
0: and, and, I got down there and I
1: said, okay, what are we supposed to do? Oh right. yeah, that's right. Investigation checklist. Oh shoot. I left that back at the no, office. So no doubt. Uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, and, and I'll, I'll offer this up and, and Josh, I think is, is willing as well. And for anybody listening that if you have any questions, Doug, I'm not quite sure how you can get our information out there, but, please reach out to us um, when it comes to, you know, maybe that, hopefully that preparedness aspect, Mm -hmm, I would definitely hold your hand and and walk along with you if something devastating did happen. But uh, I would, I would devote any time and effort to anybody that wants to reach out and uh, ask us about policies, procedures, checklists, what have you that you've heard about or that you think about or questions. Um, And, and hopefully, like I said, knock on wood, you're not making that phone call to me in the event that something did happen, but.
0: Oh, we'll make sure that information gets out, man. That's that's an incredibly generous offer, and uh, I'll make sure that everybody that I'm connected with uh, understands that that's available to them, and that's that's incredibly generous, but incredibly valuable. So, thanks for thanks for that offer. We'll make sure that you regret having made that offer. <laughs> right? Yeah. That you'll be bombarded with requests. No, and and uh, um, again, I think that you know this is a message that needs to be that needs to be offered as many times as we can. So we have other venues we might be able to do that as well. Maybe we can even do that through the Midwest Safe- Safety Cooperative or or um you know other opportunities like that. I think it's it's that important that we do that. Let me ask you something. Um this this is something that you know that I talked about with Mike, my, uh, Mike Langford, a buddy of mine. Um what about the other employees? I mean, is there anything that you can do for the other employee? I mean, I I just Again, as an OSHA guy, I was on site after the incident. I've never been on site at the time of an incident. I've never witnessed a coworker killed. Um, what do you do for the other employees that are on that site? I mean, that just yeah. seems like that would be devastating.
1: Absolutely. That's a good question. And, you know, again, kind of handle that with kit gloves, uh, reached out to some other contractors that I know in the industry that have dealt with something uh, not to this magnitude, but got a lot of feedback from them. And, you know, first and foremost, as a company-wide situation, we, we took a complete safety stand down. Um, we, I don't want to say shut the crews down, but we shut the projects down. Uh, we continued to pay the guys and until we got our hands wrapped around this. And, and when I say that, that's a big feat for us because we've got guys scattered from coast to coast. Mm-hmm. And uh, for the word to get out there, you know, the first initial thought was, we got to gotta convey the message to the, to the rest of the people in the field that, yes, something did happen. Yes, we're going to put our arms around it, and we're going to get this figured out. But then how do we support them, and how do we encourage them to feel safe to continue right. on? And so we handled it in different phases, but the, the particular crew that uh, this involved with, you know, we initially went down, and uh, a majority of them went over that, that night to be with the gentleman that was in the hospital. Oh nice and I, I told him we'll make whatever work. You you get everybody loaded in the truck, you need to get over, you need to be with him. Um, he was able to the gentleman that was in the hospital was able to to visit with him and see him that night. And we just kind of wrapped our arms around that. That was, you know, we've got one positive thing out of this whole situation is we we still have one that shouldn't be with us that is still with us That's today. So let's put our arms around that and let's celebrate that. So I told everybody. Uh, get the truck get over there. I got hotel rooms lined up for everybody in the in the town where the wow. hospital was, and uh, got some meals to them and and kind of just made them feel comfortable in the situation of being able to visit that gentleman in the hospital. Uh, and then we kind of really slowly progressed forward and just asking them all individually how you know what they needed from us. I guess we've got a an EAP program, mm-hmm. and uh, we we reached out to our EAP director and let her know that we needed counseling services um, not only for the crew, but for those that weren't directly on site that day Uh, for the executive staff. I mean, even, you know, to the tune of my family, Doug, I mean, my, my, my kids know these employees extremely well. We spend some time with them. We spend Christmas with them and, and uh, you know, just being able to offer up that, that service to everybody. So we really kind of focused on, what do you, what do you need help with right. individually? What do we need help with as a crew and, and how do we accommodate that need? And so we spent the first probably week uh, just kind of combing through, checking base with everybody. A lot of them went home after, uh, fortunately, the gentleman that was uh, hospitalized was released uh, several days later there afterwards. And, and we got him home and, and uh, everybody kind of went home and took a deep breath, you know, and gathered around their family and such but it was a slow process of getting back involved. You know, the rest of the crews in the field wanted to know what happened.
0: Mm-hmm. I'll bet and they so did.
1: we got a company, we had several company wide calls just explaining to them what happened, how it happened. Uh, we're, we're brutally honest with them. Um, I put together a a slideshow, and we kind of went through, uh, the pictures of the, of the facility and the accident, the scene of the accident and stuff and showed them exactly what happened so that they could start to prepare themselves mentally for, at one point, I'm going to have to go back and potentially deal with, you know, this on on another site. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Of course, the job wasn't done, so we got to, we had to go back, Doug, go back and, to the, finish, the and finish the project. And so we really handled that with kit gloves. But you, you, I'm glad you brought that up because what was eye opening to me is everybody in my company handled this differently. Mm-hmm, I'm um, sure. The gentleman that performed CPR and literally brought those guys back to life, really was resilient. I mean, he just and and one of the, the gentlemen that actually survived was his brother. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so he was, you know, I'll 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 lift him up. He's he's he was um, amazing during the, this process, but it really weighed on the guy that was the whole watch, the confined space whole watch. Mm-hmm. And again, we all kind of take it differently, but the, the gentleman that was confined space whole watch that day and kind of watch this all unfold oh, yeah. and really couldn't do anything about it. It hit him worse than it hit anybody. Um, and so, and that's the last person that I thought was going to be mm-hmm. that heavily hit by it because he wasn't in the, in the, you know, the trenches with the guys when it happened, Right. but he, but it did affect him because he watched it happen. And, and there's, that's horrible. like I said, there's not, there wasn't a dang thing he could do about it. Yeah. So again, my kind of encouragement would be just kind of individually check base with everybody. And that, that sometimes, goes on an hourly basis. I mean, I, for a lot of those guys who were involved, I talked to them two to three to 10 times a day saying, how you doing, man? What do you need? What can I do? Um, where are you at? And, and, uh, and then just, like I said, be honest with them and tell them exactly what's going on and, and, uh, kind of go that route.
0: Yeah. That, that is really incredibly insightful. I, I was, I would not have thought about your own family, but as you said, I mean, if you, you know, a small company or at least a medium sized company, where you truly are very family-like in the way that you interact and, and your uh, relationships with your employees and your family, that's really interesting to me. Uh, very insightful. I, Man, again, as an OSHA guy, um, you know, we investigated lots and lots of fatalities and accidents, and you, you are forced to develop something of a thick skin, I think, when it comes to those things. In fact, I think if an outsider walked into an OSHA office they would probably be shocked by the fact that the the compliance officers are oftentimes, at least in their interaction with each other, uh, they can be a little bit callous and a little bit uh, flippant about some of these incidents. But I think it's just entirely a defense mechanism. You know, if you really allow each of those, I think, like, like I said, over the 17 years I was with OSHA, the office as a whole investigated about 250 fatalities. If you let each of those get to you, I mean, it would just be overwhelming. And so you do develop a bit of a, a defense mechanism to try to deal with that but occasionally you investigate a fatality that really bothers you that really hits home I remember one in particular involved a young lady probably a 19 year old young woman who was killed on a site um, and one of our compliance officer that investigated that was the father of two daughters and it really affected him big strong tough guy you know um, right Handled everything, you know, uh, incredibly well. And then on this occasion, that particular fatality just really affected him. And I I remember that. And I think, you know, at times, you know, probably those guys, the OSHA guys, the people doing these investigations, probably need some, uh, if not therapy, at least some type of support as well. I think we, you know, we just kind of forget about that, the effect that these things can have on anybody. And and as you said everybody's affected differently by them and perhaps at a different time, you know, maybe immediately it isn't so traumatic, but you know, weeks later, months later, perhaps you realize all of a sudden you're depressed and things aren't going right. And uh, perhaps that is some kind of a post-traumatic issue that we need to be aware of. And so, you know, that, that is a great, that is a great message, I think. And man, I, I can't tell you how impressed I am by how you guys handled it. That's really amazing, frankly. So let's talk about going forward. I mean, um, as you said, you you had to make a decision. Do I just close this up? Do I keep going? How do we go forward into the future? And you've obviously decided that uh, you're going to go forward and you're going to keep working and you're going to embrace safety even more and you're going to do more things. And you're you know what what all what are you guys doing, Josh? You got anything that you guys have been working on in particular that, and it may not be related to the fatality certainly, but just from a safety perspective, I like the yeah. fact that you. How do you communicate all this to your guys?
2: Well, I try to get out to the, each site and visit with the guys. It's a more of a personable person where you can go actually talk to them and make sure they understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, with this COVID nineteen situation, we've had a lot of different policies and implementations, just as well as everybody else.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure. Um,
2: so, pretty much my goal was just for the first few months here is just to look at all the policies that were already in place, and then talk to the guys and see what what they see from their foxhole about what we can do to fix things, taking their ideas, brought what resources I had to it, uh, talked to Cheyenne about it, and slowly starting to implement different programs that the guys can really, really buy into, because as everybody knows, if if you get buy-in from the crews, they're going to be more apt to do it Mm -hmm. than for a new safety guy come in and say, this is how we're going to do it, Right? that knows nothing about shotcrete, nothing about the grain industry. So, just everything that I'm learning throughout the process, I, I try to turn over.
0: Good for you. Out uh, to the
2: guys. A lot of, I have one crew that I really like to give trial runs to, let them try it, and they do the feedback, and the crew members talk amongst each other. And if everybody likes it, we, we do a policy on it, talk to everybody in the executive staff, and, and, and make that the gospel
0: for moving forward. So, Mm -hmm. well, man, I mean, I know you've only been an actual, uh, public sector, you know, private sector safety guy for a short time after 23 years uh, serving the country, man. Um, but that's a very mature approach to safety. I think, you know, I think seasoned safety professionals, first of all, uh, realize that listening is a big part of this. And, uh, interacting with the employees and getting their feedback and listening to them and uh, engaging them. Nothing is more empowering to the employees, I don't think, to, to believe that their comments and their opinions are actually appreciated and, um, and are, are being considered. Uh, I, so uh, I'm impressed by that, buddy. Um, you know, for a short time or in, in this, at least this part of the business, uh, that's a very uh, mature approach to safety. I think many of us in the early stages of our career tend to think we know more than we do. So good for you.
2: I'm very proud of knowing that I don't know anything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's right, man. And learning every day. I mean, you know, it is an opportunity to learn something new every day. If you're actually sincerely asking your employees' opinions and for feedback, that's that's such a huge part of this. I'm impressed. Um, I've-
2: it's really great to learn from those guys, and actually, I can't make safety decisions unless I actually do the task with them. So right, right. The and crew's really like to see the safety guy get in the bin and and hang rebar with them. So
0: good for you. So you're in there doing it. Absolutely. Oh, nice. Cheyenne, is he any good?
1: Yeah, he's. You know, I. <laughs> they tell me he's he's a little slow yet, but he'll it, learn. He can tie
0: some rebar <laughs> though. I mean. That's right, yeah. Oh, good deal, man. Now, that's interesting you say that because, you, Josh, you and I have a mutual friend, John, who introduced us, and, um, and you guys have a very similar history. Having spent time in the military, he does the same thing. You know, he goes yeah. out on the lines at his facility and works shoulder-to-shoulder, shoulder, you know, well, not anymore, but he uh, yeah. used to work shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder with, with the um, employees just to learn what they're actually up against rather than, you know, making decisions just from a desk. You know, and I'm, I'm in, I'm impressed by that. Um, yeah. that's, that's really John was a very
2: big mentor of me and is why I'm here today. He's the one that told me to get off my butt and get some more safety training and <laughs> right, get right. my safety degree and good for um, you
0: and good for him. Bob. To John. Hey man, um, Cheyenne, what's the take home message? I know, you know, the message of verification is an important message. Uh, certainly the incident, um, always terrible. Those are horrible incidents, Um, and I'm always impressed by companies that actually, they learn from those incidents. They, you know, they embrace it and they learn from it and they get better. And so I'm impressed by what you guys have done. Is there anything that you would like to kind of conclude with or?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, early on in in this conversation with a a good friend of mine in in the construction industry said, Shine, you can go two ways with this. You can either own it and deal with it and fix it or you can cast blame and say, you know, Hey, this, this wasn't our fault. Uh, Everything leading up to this point has gotten to the point of, like I was saying earlier, the no citations and, you know, the clean bill of health on that aspect. And that's not a a, a something to celebrate and have a drink over, but we owned it. Mm -hmm. And, and when I say we owned it, we didn't just say, well, shoot, this is, you know, it wasn't our fault guys. Let's just, get back at it, it was exactly as Josh was saying, let's take another stab at it. We thought we were, we were good. Um, but you're, you, you got to do better every day. Right. And, uh, you know, kind of, I'm going to give some accolades to Josh. Can you imagine a, uh, a company, I remember sitting in the interview with Josh, and interviewing him and saying, Oh, by the way, we've, we've got a fatality on our hands right now. <laughs> sure. Josh came into this uh, after the fatality. And uh, I commend him for saying, okay, this is somewhere I want to be because I see that they're not just trying to sweep this under the rug. So we owned it and we own it. We own it today. We own it. I, uh, we, that's what we did. And, and, and part of that process is not just saying, well, you know, lightning struck once it'll never strike again because it will. And so we're, we're, we're never good enough is, is kind of the takeaway. We're never good enough. Listen to your guys in the field. They, they do the work day in and out, which is what Josh is very particularly good at is, is listening and hand, and going and doing the work with them. Like he was saying, I, I like getting out with the guys and working. Mm-hmm. Uh, I pay for it several days after because I'm usually <laughs> super sore. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, you know, it, it shows them in good faith that I, I care about them. Josh cares about them. We as a family care about them. Um, own it and, and know that you're never good enough. Right. Don't, don't look at it. I don't care if your safety program or your safety policy is six pages or 600 pages. Uh, it's never good enough. Right. And and you got to get out and live it and uh, don't depend on the paper.
0: Josh, anything you want to add to that? That, that is an incredible message. I, I completely agree. Um, well, that's- well, this there is never an end to safety working safely. It is always continuous. We always have to continue improving looking for opportunities to improve. That's why we network. That's why we do these things. I mean, someone is going to learn from what you just said today, and it is going to make them better. And that is worth every minute of what we just did. um, Knowing that somebody is going to listen, hopefully learn and improve. And that's, you know, that's kind of the point of all of this, frankly. Um, Guys,
2: community, we can learn from everybody. We learn every day.
0: It is. If you, if you listen and pay attention, you're going to learn something. And uh, I, I have to tell you that, uh, selfishly, you know, these, these podcasts and these groups that we belong to, um, very selfishly, I learn something all the time. And, uh, that really, for, for me, that is a, just, there's a lot of personal satisfaction in that having an opportunity to learn from people like you guys that are out there doing it, um, the right way. And, uh, I appreciate that. And, you know, going forward, um, Again, it is, a, it is a sincere pleasure for me to work with companies like yours. Um, I'm very impressed. And uh, obviously, anything I can do to help you get better, I am more than happy to do. I look forward to working with you guys in the future. But thank you for sharing that message. It's an incredible story. Um, I am glad that you have stayed in business and taken the position that you have because it gives you an opportunity to share those lessons with others. Uh, and that is uh, definitely a noble undertaking, man. So guys, thank you very much. Enjoy the weekend. It's Friday here in Nebraska. I don't know if I mentioned what day it was. It's Friday the 17th, April 17th in Omaha, Nebraska, uh, and Seward, Nebraska, uh, where you guys are coming from. Snow on the ground. We had a big snow last night, beautiful this morning. You know, I I took a moment walking the dog this morning just to take it all in. It was actually quiet, clean, beautiful snow. Um, Hopefully it's gone by this afternoon, but it was fantastic. So have a great weekend. Um, I look forward to seeing you both at the soon at the earliest opportunity. Thanks again for the information, and we'll talk to everybody later. Take care, guys. Thanks.
2: I really appreciate it. Appreciate it.
1: A Parkville Media Production.